And I want to talk to you about uh, putting on some new suit of clothes. We're working through, um, working through Colossians, and we're in chapter 3. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, then Colossians, chapter 3. And uh, things every Christian needs to, uh, to put on and wear. And, and uh, last week we introduced these eight things, but we're going on number two, looking at uh, two verses. Um, that are better than what we normally wear. Now, the Bible tells us to put off several key sins that we're very comfortable with. And if you look in uh, Colossians chapter 3, verse 8, it says this. It says, but now you also need to put off all of these. He doesn't just say only put off anger, but he says put off anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that you put off the old man with his deeds. Now, Tell me, when did somebody put off the old man? First time you ever did it was when you got born again. All right? Now, that doesn't mean that the old man was gone. Don't you wish he was? But that means you're able to put him off. For the first time in your life, you're able to be separated from him and separated unto God. And it was a wonderful feeling. You felt clean. You felt, you felt usable. You felt like you were in heaven. It just, you just wished it never would wear off. And it did. You... you you went back to some old habits, and, and you got very discouraged, and you thought, well, maybe I'm not saved, and you thought, well, maybe I didn't pray right. You thought, well, maybe God left me, and he didn't. But you just, you just the old man just took back over, and then you had to get into this wrestling match of who you were going to follow and who you're going to listen to. And you'll always, so the day you die, you will always battle who you're listening to. And Paul doesn't, Paul doesn't only teach with one, one angle. He sometimes uses a different angle. He says, okay, let me just use this angle. Why don't you take the things that you know are wrong and not wear them? All right? Just, just say, I'm not going to wear. And he lists these things, and he lists anger, wrath, malice. That's just meanness. Blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth, and lying. Why don't you not wear that? Now, when do you normally wear those things? Well, no, this is to Christians. When does a Christian normally wear those things? Jennifer? Okay, and I'm in the flesh all the time, but when I'm yielded to the flesh. But let me be a little more, I'm not, you know, uh, uh, I'm not of the opinion that people are constantly living that way. So what, what brings up the flesh? What brings up the old man? Okay. Right. Injustice. Yeah. That's right. And, and the truth is, it, it, it happens all, all the time where the devil will just push our button and how do we react? That way. Now, people say, well, you're a Christian. You shouldn't act that way. Of course we shouldn't act that way. But that's why the Bible tells us to act a different way because naturally, I, you, find myself reacting that way. And I don't look at me and think I'm the only one that does that. Because I react that way, and I'm ashamed of it. But I still fight that thing. So, uh, several weeks ago, we learned how to put those things uh, away, and how to, how to fold them up and put them away, and they just keep coming out of the closet, amen? But um, we found out that we need to put some things, different things, on. Look at verse 12. Better things. Chapter 3, verse 12 goes on and says, Put on, therefore... As the elect of God. Now, who are the elect of God? The Jews. Now, Jews may not be who you want to emulate, but they're in a beloved position with God. And I've been raised from dumb dog 
doomed Gentile to that of the elect of God, and I ought to live like it, I ought to act like it, I ought to talk like it, I ought to sound like it. He says, as the elect of God, God bless you, holy and beloved. How many of you feel holy? Now, that's holiness is not a state of feeling. Holiness is a state of being. The moment you got saved, you were made a saint, you are holy. Now, you may not look it, sound it, act like it, but since we are holy and beloved, we need to put on, and he goes through eight things, and he calls, he, the word, when he says, he says, bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, fairness, uh, forbearance, forgiveness, and charity. Now, I like how when it talks about um, uh, most sins in the Bible, which are pretty uh, extensive, God always comes up with a better list. And usually it outnumbers. You know, I don't have just one righteous reaction to my desire for anger. I have several righteous reactions. So God gives me a whole lot more to work from. You know, uh, uh, in, in Christianity, we have so much more to choose, choose from as far as a wardrobe than we ever had when we were unsaved. We constantly used anger. We constantly lied or we constantly had malice. God says, why don't you try these clothes? Why don't you try these responses? Now, I want to ask you, which list is better in response to when you've been hurt? It's kind of obvious, isn't it? Now, which one comes easier? The red, yeah. <laughs> it wasn't intentional. I made those red and those blue, but it does work, amen? It, it is a whole lot easier for me to get angry. Anybody else like that? It's a whole lot easier just to be mean, grumpy. It is a whole lot harder to have these things. So where do I get it from? From the new man. I get it from something that's already in me, from somebody that's already in me. I just don't know how to yield to him very easily. I don't know how to stop and go, please live through me. Take your Bible, turn to Colossians chapter 2. I'm sorry, Colossians. Galatians, go back to the left. Colossians, Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. Whoever finds it, raise your hand. I'd like you to read it. Galatians 2.20. Who's got it? Paul. Galatians 2.20, please, real loud. Where? In me. Go ahead. All right, so what kind of me was there when Christ died? He loved me and he gave himself for me. Well, what was the me? He was a wretch. He was ungodly. So I don't want to live that way anymore. I want to live by the faith of the Son of God. I want to live the life of the Son of God. I want him to live through me. And that's how he lives, if I yield to him. So... Let's move on uh, uh, and get to our lesson on those things. There are eight powerful reactions to your life. All right. When we look at just going back to uh, uh, Colossians chapter 3, starting in verse 12. Philippians, sorry, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians 3 and verse 12. The Bible says this. Let's read them now. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, Forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any. What's a quarrel? Argument, a fight. If any man have a quarrel against any, 
Even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond, the glue of perfectness. So there are eight powerful reactions, much more powerful than anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, all that kind of stuff. So let's talk about the first one. One of the best ways that, 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 a, that a Christian learns the Bible is actually getting a dictionary. Because <laughs> a lot of the Bible words are so abused today, you wouldn't go around saying you're gay today. It's a gay old day today, would you? But words change. Words have all kinds of twisted meanings today. And, and it just, it just, it's just nice to go and say, all right, what are bowels of mercies? And if you, just, if you sort of figure this thing out, you go, I'll just pick my own definition. You're lost. There's a real definition for what they are. So when it talks about bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, they're written not so that you sort of go, oh, I already know. No, they're meant for you to study. So what are we going to study tonight? We're going to look at the first one. We're going to look at three of them tonight and call it a day. First one's on bowels of mercies. All right, why don't we pray before we get started here. Father, I pray that you would open our eyes. God, I just, I, I tell you, it's, uh, these three things and all eight of these things are impossible, frustratingly impossible to put into play so many times where the flesh has been used to. And Lord, I pray that there would be a way for the new man to win. Lord, I pray that I would know when the new man's winning from some of these truths here tonight. I pray you bless the hearers that we would take these things, not just in the ears, but let them sink down deep into our hearts and out our lips and our fingers and our toes. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so we start off here with the bowels of mercy. You say, what's that? Okay. Uh, normally, when we think of a bowel, we think of our gut, all right? Now, they've actually decided and discovered what the Bible has already said, and that is your brain actually extends down to your gut. Now, you may not know this, but your brain has more than just a bit of mush up in the middle between your two ears. Your brain, actually, your eyeballs, don't freak out, but your eyeballs are part of your brain. Um, your brain actually is an extend, it's extended all through your body, and it even is extended into your gut. And there's a lot of things I'm not going to try to teach you about your gut tonight, but I'll tell you this. The Bible doesn't just say mercy, but it means empathic or gut-based feelings of mercy, which is much better and much deeper than just, ah, okay, go on your way. Now, so bowels of mercy come from here. So uh, the simple meaning is, is when you show compassion to those who don't deserve it. That's what mercy is. Bowels of mercy are deep-seated source, is a deep-seated source of feelings or concern or care towards people. It is when you hold back on judging and condemning and punishing. It come, it, it, the word that, that is used is empathy. Empathy is something that when you empathize, and I go into a hospital, and there are some, some people when you're dealing with it, maybe they've got tubes coming out. I remember seeing both uh, Dennis Linehan and uh, uh, Leo uh, Linehan, both after they had their bypass. And they had about 15 tubes coming in and out of their body, all from the chest up. And all of a sudden, I'm like, mm. it's just like, whoa, you know. Uh, I, I couldn't be a doctor. I mean, you just don't want a doctor throwing up while he's trying to operate, amen? But that is where you just feel it here. Empathy. Now, I'll say this, this reaction is much more powerful than anger is. And don't, don't, 
Don't think about anybody else's lack of, of mercy and empathy. Look at your own lack right now. Think about, I wonder how, how empathetic I am. I wonder how merciful, whether my mercy comes from my bowels or just doesn't, is not there at all. Now, uh, the opposite of bowels of mercy is a hard heart. It's when you have a stiff neck, when you have justice, and it's full of wrath. But listen to how Paul and John talk about their emotions. You're in Colossians. Go back to the left. Find Philippians 1.8. This, this term is used throughout your Bible. Philippians 1.8. And I'll start over here uh, with uh, Patrick. Philippians 1.8, if you will. For God is my record. I'll get me along as you all in the bowels of Jesus Christ. All right, now that's a strange way of talking. In the bowels of Jesus Christ. But what is he talking about? Longing. All right, he's longing. But it comes from the gut. It's a yearning. It's not hunger, but it is a, mm, I, I, I miss, miss you guys from the deepest parts of my emotions. That's what he's saying, correct? So Paul uses that phrase. We don't use that phrase, but it's not a bad thing to say. It actually gives very visual understanding of the kind of love and desire he has. Chapter 2, verse 1, Brother Darren, still in Philippians, chapter 2, verse 1. Okay, if those things exist, and they ought to, he goes on verse 2 and he says, Fulfill me my joy. Be like-minded. Everybody ought to have it. Do you know, these are things that should not be... Uh, oh, Kathy has bowels of mercy. And um, uh, Josiah, he has um, uh, uh, kindness. And No, no, no. Fulfill you my joy, Paul says, is that you all have the same type of responses to hurt. Amen. So, uh, 1 John 3, 17, Miss Sherry. 1 John, all the way to the right. 1 John 3, 17 now. All right, what's the scary part of that verse? There are two scary things, but I'm looking for one, and I'm trying to not tell you. Okay, it's scary that I may be devoid of the love of God, but there's another scariness. I can shut down my emotions. That's scary. You know, God gave me emotions. God gave me bowels of mercy. How can I say that the love of God if I switch it off and I go, oh, be on your way, be warm, and not care. So, uh, uh, and by the way, folks, um, uh, both Paul and John were not always this way. Go to Galatians now. Uh, you mean Galatians chapter 1. You see, we, we're reading about Paul and we're reading about the Apostle John, and we think, oh, they must have always been the sweetest, most wonderful people in the world. They must have always been this way. No, no, no. Galatians chapter 1 and verse 13, you mean. All right, to waste it means I utterly destroyed it. I, I lived to, to crush a church. That's how Paul lived. 
He was filled with all the other things, wasn't he? Anger, wrath, malice, da 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 And there he is, he's saying, I yearn with the bowels of Jesus Christ. I miss you. He's changed. Go to Luke chapter 9 now, Josiah. Luke chapter 9, verse 54. Luke 9, 54. Bless you. sounds like a righteous prayer, a good prayer. Can I pray it? No. <laughs> do you want us to do what Elijah did and burn them all up? That's not a very good Christian attitude, is it? All right, look, read verse 55 now. Amen. Amen. So John, that's James as well, Paul didn't always have the right type of mercy, did they? All right. Listen to young Joseph, uh, uh, and even Solomon. Genesis 43, I'll ask, oh, let's see. Uh, uh, Martin, Genesis, all the way back, Genesis chapter 43 and verse Why is he so moved? Hmm. And his his old man, his flesh would have wished what upon his brothers? But he instead, there were his bowels moved. He was so moved from the deepest part of his emotion. All right. So 1 Kings chapter 3 this is a bit of long ones. I tell you what, um, let me, uh, we'll go there. 1 Kings chapter 3, because this is really interesting. 1 Kings. Canista, you're going to have a little bit of reading here. 1 Kings 3, 23 to 27. Okay, now I've jumped right into the middle of a big event, and I apologize. But what you have are two women who both have had children. Now, they're both harlots. So they both had children. They don't know who the fathers are. And one of them sleeps. Both of them are asleep, and one of them suffocates their child accidentally. And she goes and puts her dead baby in with another woman and then takes that living baby for her own. And then they stand before Solomon, who, who's asked, how do we know whose child it is? So Solomon's saying, well, here's one, and one says, this is my son, and hers is dead. And the other one says, no, that's my son, and hers is dead. Now go on verse 24, all the way down to 27. Hold. What did he just say do? 
What does that mean? Cut it in half. Uh, wow. Okay, go ahead. Keep reading. I just want you to get just how powerful this is. <laughs> Here, you take this half. and you We're like, <gasps> okay, keep going. Yes. All right, so look at these two women. I mean, one of them hears that the child is about to be cut up. And she says, no, 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 give her the baby. She was moved from deep within. And the other one said, ah, go ahead and cut it in half. So you now know who's the real mom, don't you? Okay. So that's when the king answered and said, Give her the living child and no wise slay it. He didn't want to kill it, but he sure made his point, didn't he? So throughout your Bible, there's this, there's this emphasis on deep-seated emotions. Go to Mark, sorry, Matthew chapter 9 in verse 6. Um, Eileen, Mark, I'm sorry, Matthew. It looks like MR, but Matthew 9:36, please. Okay, each one of these, they're, they're not just moved from their eyes and maybe, you know, a lot of people are motivated by their pocketbook or they're motivated by jealousy or they're motivated by hurt. But what were all of these motivated by? Compassion, deep-seated mercy from, from within. All right. Thankfully, even God himself has this reaction to us. Let's go to Psalm 25. Uh, Brother Kevin, Psalm 25, and verse 6. Now, David has the habit of, of thinking he has to remind God of things. <laughs> Sometimes we do that too. But here he's saying... Please be kind. Remember, you have tender mercies. All right, that's good. That's good. Now, the goal is this. The goal is this, to get an idea that in our, our wardrobe, in our closet of our life, in our, our, our selection of attitudes we can choose to wear, we need to wear one that begins with bowels of mercy. Second one, kindness. Kindness there in Colossians it uses just a very simple word. He says, uh, uh, bowels of mercies and kindness. Now, I found that mercy and kindness go together a lot throughout the Bible. They seem to be together, kind of hand in hand. Now, the meaning of kindness is kind of is being tender toward the needs of others. Kindness seeks to be gentle, sensitive to how others react. I mean, you're sensitive. You ever concern how other people are, are, are sensitive? Hey, how many of you have ever had a nurse do something and you went, oh, thank you for being nice and gentle? I had a nurse come in. Um, uh, I was uh, uh, 
Anyway, they had to give me a shot for uh, an anti, uh, some sort of antibiotic, and they didn't ask what I was allergic to. I was actually, if you want to know, I was getting a wart removed off of my Greek toe. I had a wart about that big. So they were going to put me under, and they said, oh, did you have such and such antibiotic? And I, my mom was there and said, no. Uh, and so um, and I, I don't know anything, and I'm just sitting there, and this girl comes in. I say girl because she wasn't very old. She came in, and she came, and she hand, took my hand, and she, about three jabs later, I'm like, how? <laughs> she says, I can't get the, the vaccine. I needed a nice nurse. This woman made you want to scream and run and bolt out of the window. Aren't you glad for kind nurses? Aren't you glad when you've been stopped by the guard and they look and you go, ah, you're okay, go on your way, just a warning this time. It's nice when you have somebody kind to you, right? All right, um, the fruit of kindness and the fruit of the spirits, the same word is gentleness. There in the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness. What do you think the opposite of, uh, oh, let me just go here. Uh, kindness delights in making other people happy by the way we treat them. That's being kind. And a lot of time, I'm not. Maybe other people have great victory over being kind. But there's a need to be kind. Now, the opposite. What do you think the opposite of being kind is? Say again. Say it again. Oh, aggression. I thought you said... I wasn't sure what you were saying. Thank you. Aggression? What else? Huh? Hateful? These are nice words. I, I, yes, sir, Andrew? Just being mean, okay? Now, I chose the word cruel. The opposite of kindness is cruelty. You ever had anybody being cruel to you with words? Cruel to you with actions? It's the opposite of kindness. <laughs> Bully? Uh, showing kindness means you use kind words instead of harsh ones. You use kind actions. You have kind attitudes. It's when Jesus treated others. How did he treat people? With great care, kindness. Uh, it wasn't always kind. Don't get the idea that you have to be a, uh, you know, this wuss. Every, every, every boy is now raised to be so soft they don't know how to be a man. But there is a time where a man's got to stand up. He's got to be firm, just like Jesus was with the Pharisees and like he was with the, the crowds who wanted to manipulate him and wanted him to tell him how to, what to do and how to lead and stuff. And he stood his ground, and he was firm. Now, he wasn't cruel. He never was cruel to anybody, but he was firm. And there's something about that part of manhood that's gone. Can't be firm because everybody's going to call you angry. Now, there are two characteristics of kindness. Go to Ephesians. Uh, go to Colossians first, and I'll show you that. Uh, no, it'll have to be in Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians 4.32. And I'll ask Marcus, if you will. Ephesians 4.32. Okay, so he says, this is how you be kind. And he lists the first word. What was the first word after the word kind? Tender-hearted. Did you see that? In verse 32, he says, Be kind one to another, tender-hearted. Now, tender-hearted is just a softness of heart, and softness just all about them. Uh, as a matter of fact, to be kind is always an act of love. You find love and kindness put together in one word. What is it? 
Loving kindness. All right. So two characteristics of kindness is your heart is soft. That's where, that's where kindness comes from. Secondly, and hard, more hard, is forgiving one another. Now, we all want people to love us as Christ does. How many of you like, like it when people love you like Christ loves you? That's awesome. That's, that'll make your day. But almost no one wants to forgive others as Christ forgave them. So if you have a quarrel against somebody, you'll find it very hard to forgive them like Christ forgave you. Did Christ forgive ahead of time, or does he wait till we earn it? He will never earn it, so he already forgave. So next time that you want somebody to earn your forgiveness, you got to pull back and go, as Christ forgave me, I have to forgive them. Kindness is the act of humbly forgiving, not shoving it in somebody's face. Well, I'm going to forgive you, and I'll remind you that I forgave you for the next six years. You just go ahead and willingly let things go. That's forgiving one another. Now, if Christ Jesus lives in you, then you have it in you to be kind, gentle, nice, thoughtful, considerate. It's there. You say, well, I'm not like that. I know. But Jesus is, amen? You say, wait a minute, I don't understand. I'm not like that. That's the old man talking. Is Jesus nice, gentle, kind, thoughtful, considerate? Yes or no? And according to the Bible, where is he? According to Galatians 2.20, he's in me. He's in you. And he's there. Then I guess I have no excuse. I can be nice, gentle, compassionate, thoughtful. So the goal is to wear that kind of attitude. Now, in the end, you're going to wear lots of layers. The world's a very cold place emotionally, amen? But a Christian ought to be very warm because you're wearing lots of layers. Do you get the idea? Now, I, 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 I usually, um, you know, I wear, I wear a T-shirt and then I wear a shirt. And if it's cold, I put on a jumper. But it's really, really cold. You know what I do? I put a sweatshirt on top of everything. But as a Christian, I'm wearing bowels of mercy, and I'm putting on kindness, and I'm going to put on more. I ought to be burning hot. Amen? All right. So look at the third one. We'll be done. Humbleness of mind. Humbleness of mind is one of those things where it simply means modesty. Now, when you think of modesty, it means you're constrained. You only, you, uh, if, if somebody's going to wear modest clothes, you know what that means? You limit your selection. You limit the things that don't show off parts of the body that don't need to be showed off. They, something that's modest is something that, that brings attention to the face and to the, to the eyes, not to the rest of the body. If something's modest, you limit your selection. You don't have just one thing, but you don't wear the latest fashions. And by the way, it's come to summer. I know it's summer because people have no clothes on. I mean, all I have to do is drive through Balancholic and you think you're in Sodom. Honestly, modesty, but now we're applying it to my mind. Just like a Christian man, a Christian woman, limits their clothes and don't, it doesn't try to show off, but says, you know what, I'm not, I'm not going to uh, uh, just go with what everybody else is wearing. I'm not going to go with what everybody else is thinking either. Modesty of mind, humbleness of mind is where we're going now. Um, so humbleness begins where? In the heart, right? Come on, talk to me. It begins in the mind. If you ever have a problem with, with, with I said modesty, hum, humbleness, I thought I said humbleness, but humbleness begins in the mind. So if I'm going to struggle with humility, I'm going to struggle here before I ever deal with it here. So 
It's when, now this is the truth about humility of mind. It's a way of thinking in your mind. It's not a way that you feel. You'll never feel humble. <laughs> oh, I feel so humble today. You're not humble. <laughs> but you can choose to be humble. Bill, you ought to try it. Shoot, I know it's hard. <laughs> you can choose to be humble. You can't wait to feel humble. All right. Uh, Philippians 2.3. We'll go back to Philippians to the right. Philippians, and I'll ask um, Barry, Philippians 2.3. Okay, so it is, it is, let's see, let me get to my, no, I'm not there. I, don't, I didn't put it in here, sorry. So, it is when you think others are better than yourself. Not that you think that you're awful. I'm going to talk about that in a minute. There is such a push by the devil to convince people to think they're trash. And it has, we've created an environment where everybody's calling each other trash. And they're demeaning each other. And the Bible says, in lowliness of mind, humility of mind, with modesty of mind, you esteem others better than yourself. Now, the devil gets everyone thinking trash about themselves and trash about everybody around them, and they focus on everybody except the Lord Jesus Christ. But God says this, go to 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2, Nathaniel. Chapter 2 and verse 17. 1 Peter 2, 17. All right. Now, the hardest part of that verse, we think that honoring the king is kind of hard. No, that's not the hard part. Honor all men. Here's the truth. You're with somebody you don't like. You know what a Christian is supposed to do? Find something good to say about them. Because if you get in the attitude and you get in the background where you think evil of them, you become evil. And the safest thing to do is find something good to say or think about them and move on. Not that you're worshiping them, not that you're thinking they're the bee's knees, but that you look and you go, you know what, that guy's probably trying to be a good dad. Amen. Walk on. Do not focus on everything they've done, especially to you. If all the devil does is whisper in your ear and remind you what somebody has done to you, he's one. But if every time the devil comes up and whispers in your ear what somebody has, how they've hurt you, and you go, you know what, they've probably been through hell. They've probably been through some stuff, and I need to pray for them. Amen. So, let's look at another one. Ephesians 2.10. <clears throat> Honor all men. Ephesians 2.10. Jennifer? All right, so anytime you meet somebody, especially a Christian I'm dealing with right now, anytime you deal with a Christian, who's working on them? Yeah, but who usually thinks they can do all the work? <clears throat> us. Well, not just. They may think that they're doing the work on themselves, but we come along and they've hurt us. And we think, well, I really need to work them over. No, they are Christ's workmanship. And that's hard to step down. The humility of mind says, I better let God deal with them. 
I may have to say something to them, but I'm not going to fix them. So it is a right way of thinking in your mind, especially uh, towards those who hurt you. There's a lot in the Bible about this mind of ours. As a matter of fact, it is probably the fourth most talked about subject of your, of your life besides your heart. Your mind. <clears throat> Acts 20, 18, and when they were come to him, he said unto them, Ye know from the first day that I came to Asia, Paul talking, after what manner I have been with you at all seasons, serving the Lord with all humility of mind and with many tears and temptations which befell me by the lying in wait of the Jews. And he said, you know, one of the hallmarks of my life as I served with you is I didn't think about myself. That was a choice he made. Do you think he was boasting about it? Or is he just saying a fact and saying, guys, I'm not worried about myself. I just worried about teaching you everything, declaring unto you the whole counsel of God. I wasn't worried about making any money. I wasn't worried about whether you appreciated me. I just did it with no thought of myself. That's good. Now, the opposite. What do you think the opposite of humility of mind is? Pride. It's a prideful thinking. Let's go to Colossians chapter 2 and verse 18. And Andrew, Colossians 2.18. All right, there are religious people out there, religious leaders and religious organizations that have this, this semblance of humility. I don't know if you've ever read anything about these Buddhist priests who take a vow of poverty all their life and they go around begging and they act so humble and yet they're not, okay? They have this voluntary humility about them. But what they're trying to do is trying to rob you of what you have in Christ and they get you to worship angels and they intrude into things which they have not seen. They talk about heaven, they talk about different dimensions and they're vainly puffed up. They are so proud of themselves. You know what I'm proud of? Nothing except Jesus Christ. I'm not even proud of heaven. I know it's glorious, but man, the only reason why I'm going to be there is because he's getting me in. So, so there, is, there is prideful thinking, and pride is just as much a wrong way of thinking as low self-esteem is. What does everybody's worry about children? Oh, so-and-so has got low self-esteem. Well, just as bad as low self-esteem is, high self-esteem is bad. So we got to find where we belong between that thing. And that's why I want to talk about the right view of yourself. Let me talk to you for just two seconds and we'll be through. How do you view yourself? Well, before you think of yourself, you need to think well and speak well of others, even those that hurt you. Second uh, Peter 2.10, to the right, Second Peter 2.10. Uh, Kevin Masters, 2 Peter 2.10. <clears throat> you don't. Then I'm going to ask Miss Cindy if she's got... Do you mind me re you reading or do you want me to let her handsome husband do it? All right, the handsome husband's going to do it, Brother Greg. Say, um, 2 Peter 2.10. The what do they do? All right, now you can find fault with government without despising them. And the mark of this day is there are too many Christians who despise any authority. Keep going. Presumptuous are they, self-willed. They are not afraid to speak evil of 
That's terrifying. You see, when you think and speak evil against people, and probably people get upset at governments because they've been abused by them. I understand that. But the Bible says here they're presumptuous as if they have the right. They're self-willed, not Holy Spirit-willed. And they have no fear to speak evil of dignities. And let me just, the, the point is this. Beware when you find yourself demeaning others. Beware that you are so free to say, oh, so-and-so, so-and-so. Mm-mm. You know why? James 3, verse 8. Emriel. James chapter 3, verse 8, 9, and 10. Go back to the left. James 3, 8, 9, and 10. <clears throat> All right. Very convicting. The same mouth, I can praise God, and I can cut down and demean and, and, and curse men. These things ought not to be so. So uh, everyone, every person on this planet, even though the image has been marred, they still were created in the similitude and the likeness of God. So if you find yourself hating yourself or even someone else, you're doing what the devil already does. He hates anything that has the image of God. He wants to destroy and ruin anything that is close to God. He or she who hates themselves hates everyone around them, guaranteed. And the only way to change is to force yourself to ignore how you think and how you feel and just choose to be humble of mind and speak well of them. It's a choice to wear it that doesn't come easy. Once you start to speak well of others, guess who you can start to speak well of? Yourself. The mark of this day is suicide. The, mark, the, the, the hallmark of this day is people are cutting themselves, they are hurting themselves, they are, they are destroying themselves, they don't sleep, they don't eat right, they are listening to a voice that says, tells them you're no good and listens to a, a, a demonic influence that is tearing them down. You wonder, why is it? I know why. I mean, that's the spirit of this age. So, what does it mean to think and speak well of yourself? It doesn't mean that you take any credit, but that you don't trash what people say about you. I mean, if I said, you're a lovely young lady, you ought to say, well, my mom sure has been a good influence on me. Amen. Instead of you taking all the credit, take it, yeah, yes, thank you very much. <laughs> but it'd be awful if I said, you're a lovely young lady. I am not. That'd be terrible, huh? So, just don't, don't reject what people say about you, especially when it's good. Always give God the glory. I mean, there's, there's uh, Patrick, and he says, you know, made in the image of God. <laughs> and accept people's compliments. Be very satisfied with who you are in Christ. Before you were saved, you never were satisfied. But ever since you got born again, you ought to be able to look at that mirror, and you ought to say, thank you, Lord. You made me just as I am. I don't want to be like I am, but you seem to think I'm pretty awesome. I'm secure in your design, and I'm perfectly accepted by you right now as I am. 
You don't want to leave me as I am, but I'm accepted. Amen. Be very glad for what you do for Christ. You say, well, I don't do very much. Doesn't matter. Be very glad that at least you get to serve the Lord. He's given you breath, and the little things you do matter to Him. Even if you're giving a cup of cold water or a cup of tea to somebody, do it in Jesus' name, and you'll get a reward in heaven. Amen? So don't be too hard on yourself. If you find yourself hard on people, it's because you're hard on yourself. Start being a blessing to people, and you'll find yourself accepting yourself. So speak well of yourself. Now, <clears throat> it is okay to think good about yourself and others. There is, a, there is a mindset that says, oh, everybody's evil. Everybody's depraved. Everybody's got sin. But if you've got this military mentality of everybody's the enemy of God, you're actually destroying what Jesus did in your life. And that is he loved you and he gave himself for you. And you need to love people and give yourself for them. Amen. <clears throat> you may be backslidden, carnal, you may be wrong, but you're not trash. Man who has no pride in himself, and by the way, uh, ladies, do not think that a man's ego doesn't matter, because a man's ego is all he's got. And if you destroy that ego, if he has no pride in himself, he is doomed to a life of depression and potential suicide, and you do not want to help that. A man needs his ego. No way, no amens there, but anyway. So change the way you think and wear it. Consistent, yielding to, and obeying. Say, how, how do I change the way I think about myself? Every time I read my Bible and it says, my tongue is out of control, I take it seriously. The Bible talks to me and tells me I need to be kind. I got to do it. And that's how you change. And let me try to finish this up. Look at verse 15. We'll be finished. Colossians chapter 3, 15. Colossians 3.15. Nice. Yep. So all that list of those eight responses, those eight attitudes toward hurt and towards people who hurt you, he says, verse 15, he says, you start wearing those things, and verse 15 says, and you'll be able to let the peace of God take over. I like that word rule. The peace of God will rule where? What part of you is the most messed up in the heart, man. And the peace of God will rule in your hearts to the which you are also called in one body and he will make you thankful. So here's the collusion. It is hard resisting the temptation to wear and react to the way we always have. That's why I said there are sins that are easy to put off once you get saved. But there are some sins that we don't like to put off. We don't want to put away. They come natural. They just, they're just there and they're too easy to use as a weapon, as a tool. So it's hard resisting the temptation to wear and react the way we always have. All of the right attitudes are present there and full in the person of Jesus Christ. You may have none of those attitudes, but he's got them. So you've got to learn to live by him, by the faith of the Son of God. If you work at putting these on instead of the other things, if you work at it, only then will you experience the peace of God and you'll actually be allowing the peace to rule in your hearts instead of fear ruling instead of sin ruling, instead of your flesh. I got a question for you. Do any of you want that? There are people who'd give their right and left arms if they could have peace. They will not be afraid and not be living in, in defeat. Bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind. 
And there's five more outfits to wear. Five more to put on. We'll talk about next week. Father, I thank you for these very convicting truths. You know, the, the honesty thing is, honestly, there's, there, uh, there's a lot of work to do in my life. And I'm ashamed when I read some of these things, just how far these will be worked on. I pray that I, I, that I would somehow put off all the wrong things that's just wrong about me and wear the right things and react the right way. So thank you for teaching, speaking, convicting. I thank you you're going to change me. pray you change all of us, God. And we'd be quick to not think of anybody else but ourselves because that's who the book was written to, to us. In Jesus' name, amen.